Welcome to Tech Intersect. I'm your host, Tanya Evans, and my life and work exist at the heart of law, business, and technology. Yeah, I've earned a few fancy titles and degrees over the years, but the bottom line is I'm a writer, speaker, teacher, and lifelong learner. And I'm really excited that you've joined me on this journey. So what is Tech Intersect? Well, it's authentic, empowering conversations with really interesting guests who demystify complex topics to prepare you for the future, because your future is now. And it exists where law, business, and tech intersect. Get ready to listen, learn, and leverage. Let's get started. In this episode of Tech Intersect, I chat with professor, entrepreneur, author, thought leader, show host, and xenoanthropologist, Samson Williams. Samson is a classically trained anthropologist and finance and public health expert who advises Fortune 100 companies, executives, and startups from Dubai to DC to Dublin. See what I did right there. Samson learned his craft as emergency manager at Fannie Mae, from 2008 to 2016, and has since gone on to be a leading advisor to banks and financial institutions in the Middle East, North Africa region. Samson's focus is helping firms to understand the latest human trends in financial technology, digital transformation, the space economy, and low earth orbit entrepreneurship so that they can make profitable decisions for their bottom lines. As part of this passion for the next steps in human evolution and cultural development, in March of 2020, Samson joined the Space Channel as head of anthropology and co-host of the Space Economy Show. In this phase of his career, he is focused on making space exploration possible for everyone. So I invited Samson on to talk about his two latest books and related work, Blockchain and the Space Economy, and Race and Space, Racial Equity and Justice in the Space Economy. Because, as he explains, space is no longer the final frontier, but money, money is. So it's time to listen, learn, and leverage. Let's get started. Samson Williams wears many professional hats, and actually, he has a dope hat collection, too, because he stays dapper to the max, but I digress. He's co-founder of the Milky Way Economy, LLC, co-host of the Space Economy Show on the Space Channel. He's the president of Crowdfunding Professionals Association, an amazing adjunct professor, and my favorite xenoanthropologist. Hope I'm saying that right, because he truly is my favorite. Not only in this galaxy, but beyond, he's also the author of numerous books, including Blockchain and the Space Economy, and Race and Space, Racial Equity and Justice in the Space Economy. I've known and worked with Professor Williams on really, really important DLT issues, crypto assets, education, equity, inclusion. We've also worked our way through quite a few vodka gimlets in the process, but that's our business. We'll talk about all of that and more in a moment. But first, Samson, welcome. Hello, hello. Welcome, welcome. I'm, I'm giggling at the gimlets, um, <laughs> but they were appropriate. And uh, just as a disclaimer, everything Please. I learned about the space economy and blockchain in the space economy is uh, Professor Tanya Evans' fault. So that's my disclaimer. <laughs> 
<laughs> Excellent. Accepted. Duly noted. My my lawyer brain duly notes all disclaimers. Excellent. I'm so glad that we were finally able to do this. Tax my head and not my heart as I was transitioning through all the transitions in 2020. But I'm so glad that we're here together now and get to check in and talk about all the amazing things that you're doing now. Before we jump into the exploration of space economy, I want to check in with you authentically about how you are doing in this year of our Lord 2020 and all that is going on. And so personally, you know, how is this impacting you? How are you doing? What are you looking forward to in life after this pandemic? Uh, well. I'm stumbling because I've had a banner year. I'm not even going to lie. Mm-hmm. It's not for everyone Excellent. else, but I've had a banner year. But as a serial entrepreneur, you know, when the you roll with the punches and when the punches come in a flurry, as it gone this year, we were able to pivot successfully. I acquired two new companies. And so we've, we've, we're having a banner year. That's all I can say about it. I love it. And I think we have to not lose sight of that. Obviously, we're mindful You know, I've had a lot of lessons in 2020 and a lot of, I'm not going to claim a lot, more than a few challenges and pain points that have brought this moment too close to home. Thankfully, me and mine, we are well, uh, Mm -hmm. but, and experiencing professional success in the midst, but definitely being mindful of everyone who is struggling makes me um, just appreciate everything more. I know that about you too, because not only do you care about yourself and how you're moving in the space, but you care about other people. And so just being as excited for myself and celebrating those moments, knowing that they were not promised. And so I'm proud of you and I'm really happy that you are having an excellent year. So let's talk about this year. You, you know, when you and I last spoke, well, maybe the time before the last time, you know, always so focused on the direction of crypto, blockchain, education in the space. And then I started seeing some of your posts on LinkedIn, then a new business cropped up and all of a sudden it was about the space economy. So at a high level, and, you know, we'll get a little more granular as we go forward. What is the space economy. Um, Last caveat, I know that when you learned of this from uh, someone whom we both love and adore, Professor George Pullen, you thought it was all malarkey. Uh, And at some point, he pulled you into the vortex. So I want to know like, what the space economy is and what it was about what you learned or discovered that it went from bullshit to brilliant. (laughs) That's definitely what it went to. So (laughs) Uh, a space economy, a definition, is the multi-billion dollar ecosystem consisting of satellites, rocket launches, and, the, and benefits like GPS, navigation here on Earth. Uh, in 2020, in today's value, the space economy is, is worth approximately $400 billion. Um, mm. By 2030, the value is estimated to be between 2 and $3 trillion. There's a lot of leeway when you get to space for an exact number. Um, mm. We'll talk a little bit about that. But that's the space economy. I like to make an analogy to the internet economy. If it was 1993 or 2001 and you were asking about, and I was telling you about the internet economy, you'd be like, what is that? But fast mm-hmm. forward 19 years, we're on the pandemic, we're on lockdown, the entire world has moved over to, well, the 51% of the world that has access to the internet has moved over to, the, uh, to Zoom. We're going to talk about the digital divide later. And so now 
we don't talk about the internet economy. It's the right. only trillion dollar companies. They don't, they, they are on the internet. And so much like in 2001, when, when the internet economy was just starting. So mm-hmm. we have this thing called the space economy right now it's worth $400 billion. It's going to grow to over two or three, two to three trillion by the end of the decade. And for myself, uh, the internet economy is really about uh, black folks like myself. We missed out on the Silicon Valley rush. We missed right. out on the dot com dot com era. So how are we going to be involved in the next iteration, uh, the fifth industrial revolution, rather, that right. is the digitalization of everything that is the space economy? So that's what the space economy is. It's all of the upstream, in-stream and downstream aspects of this aerospace industry that mm. touch every part of our life, even though we don't know it. And people like Samson, how does the space economy touch every part of our life? If you've got GPS on your phone, your watch, your car, this conversation, this podcast, satellites are, are constantly streaming information so that we can stay connected. And if the pandemic has demonstrated anything, it is that the space economy will only grow exponentially here on out. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step guide to starting your podcast today. Right. And and we look, you know, past his prologue, right? So thinking of all of the other revolutions, the industrial revolutions and the push to to forge a new path and to literally stake claim in a particular era or area, I should say. So this we, we should expect it to be that and more, particularly given the impact of digital technology on the space. You you mentioned the digitization of everything and the transmission of that with satellites, um, uh, that makes me think of infrastructure, the infrastructure that should be in place in order to communicate not just here, but in space, which obviously happens or else we would lose track of everything that we've sent into space, but also getting humans there and what that entails. Can you talk a bit about that, the infrastructure of the communications technology, I imagine, um, travel technology as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we have to say blockchain, 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 because that's like, you know, it's the magic of the space economy is that mm. blockchain in space, it's an infrastructure tool. It's plumbing. Um, if, you, if you're not trying to take over the world or get rid of the banks, blockchain is a really great way of encrypting records of data. Uh, you right. can encrypt it so well, you can show them publicly. And that in a nutshell is the Bitcoin blockchain. So mm. when you're, we're talking about space, we're talking about three real three aspects of space. You have upstream, which is launch. Everyone loves launch. They get all excited about launch. Like, oh, we're going to have this BFG. Uh, I won't tell you what BFG stands for, but it's big something. <laughs> oh, it's the official name, by the way. This is SpaceX, our NASA partners. That's, that's what they call the rockets. And so the upstream is launch. Everyone gets super excited. 
Um, Victor Glover, first black astronaut on the International Space Station. I want to say he got there November 2nd or 3rd, earlier this, earlier in November 2020. He'll be there six mm-hmm. months on a, on a research project. First time we've had a black astronaut in space. Super important mm-hmm. to know that. So that's upstream, that's launch. Instream is the International Space Station. That's where I got the date confused. The ISS turned 20 years old. The International Space Station turned 20 years old the first week of November. And why that's important is because it means we've had permanent human settlement in orbit for the last 20 years. There's been a human in orbit for the last 20 years. That's phenomenal. And so when we have things in orbit, those those are the in-stream elements. So most of them are satellites. Those satellites must be built, must be produced. And you're like, why do I care about satellites? You can't do Black Friday without satellites. You can't do WhatsApp, (laughs) WeChat, your messaging services. You can't even do banking. Cross-border banking does not work without satellites. And again, this is where, as you talk about it, people are like, oh, the space economy. Like, yes, because we don't have to talk about the internet economy now because we don't separate the internet economy, those trillions of dollars the internet generates from just the economy. So right now we have to talk about the space economy because people just don't realize how much it touches their everyday life. And the Mm -hmm. last part of the space economy is everything that's downstream. And so launch rockets, they take you into orbit. When you're in orbit, that's all the satellites. And there's about 3,200 satellites at the moment, and their satellites will only grow. But what the satellites do is, this is the real moneymaker of the space economy. They're sending down data. Mm-hmm. And when data, when you think about data, we all know it's a new gold. We all understand data is a new oil. It's, ah, mm-hmm. Samson said blockchain, blockchain, blockchain. So in that blockchain ecosystem, we're replacing the nodes with satellites, or rather Mm. the satellites become the nodes. And so now it's we're encrypting records of data that we're sending from orbit down to Earth so people can harvest the data, mine the data, and then monetize the data. And of course, everyone's like, I don't ever touch space data. That's a lie, because if you've ever looked at the Weather Channel, you've touched space data touches you. If you've ever got on a plane, and they tell you where the plane is going, that GPS, if you need to order something off of Amazon or eBay and it comes from China, that tracking, the navigation, all of that comes from space. So the monetization of the space data, that's where the real money's at. And that's why blockchain plays such a crucial role in the space economy. Because at the end of the day, in the space economy, blockchain is just infrastructure. It just works. It, it encrypts data so well, it can be displayed publicly. But in the case of the space, it will be there will be permission chains, not necessarily public chains. But right. you know, we, got some, we got a little ways to go to sort out exactly how that's going to work. So that's really interesting. And it may be that we often talk about what the quote unquote use cases are for blockchains and this unique form of data uh, collection, storage, um, security. Uh, the transparency that you mentioned, and maybe this is the the use, the killer use that perhaps this technology has been in search of. I do want to put in the one caveat we have to, we have to give a shout out to Mae Jemison, who she was the first, you know, black woman into space uh, back, I believe it was the Endeavor, although don't hold me to it. I believe that is accurate, but my mind is old. In addition to the amazing work and presence of Victor Glover, to be sure. So that leads me to 
one of the uh, important aspects of this idea of race and space. And when I think of a gold rush or now this space rush as a matter of the economy, all of those rushes come both with opportunity and exploitation. I know that from your company, Axes and Eggs, it rests on that fundamental truth. You can go for all the gold you want, but you're going to need axes <laughs> to forge your way. You're going to need to eat. So uh, I'm going to sell you eggs and then good luck with your gold. But that also raises issues of racial inclusion and equity. Now, we've mentioned Victor Glover in particular. Uh, we've mentioned and given a shout out to Mae Jemison. What does the space economy look like and what does it hold? You alluded to it earlier for people of color generally, Black people in particular, for this fifth industrial revolution, as you refer. Mm -hmm. So the primary thing to keep in mind about race and space is we have an opportunity to get it right. So 2020 was a hell of a year. We had the first commercial crew space shuttle with, uh, from SpaceX and NASA with astronauts Bob and Doug. They went up on May 27th or May 30th of 2020. And that was a big deal because that was the first time it was a test. But that was the first time in over 15 years or 12 years, rather, that the U.S. hadn't contracted out launch to the Russians. Mm -hmm. And so it was a big deal. We're bringing back aerospace exploration to America. But mm. in that same time, when the when the launch America was happening on May 30th, we had 16 cities under martial law because of racial tensions and protests and demonstrations, rightful and right. just demonstrations, if you ask me. And so- mm -hmm. When we go to space, we have an opportunity to get it right. We can either look at racial equity and justice in the space economy uh, in something that's called the Artemis Accords. The Artemis Accords is, an, is the 2020 update to the 1967 Outer Space Treaty. Uh, if, you don't, if you're not a Star Trek nerd or a space nerd and you don't track these things, don't worry. There's lots of us out there who are doing that. <laughs> so part of it is we can either export our, America's legacy of slavery uh, mm -hmm. in, uh, institutional racism, Jim Crow, and mass incarceration, and the mm -hmm. inequities and injustices that spawn from that. Uh, we could either export that to space, or we can have that come to Jesus moment where we do address the fact that, yes, institutional racism exists, institutional bias exists. There's nothing wrong with Black people that white people ending racism can't stop. Or, mm -hmm. can't improve. But then it gets very touchy. It gets very touchy because Part of it in the book we talk about, and you got your listeners have to bear with me. Black people can't be racist; we mm -hmm. can be prejudiced because black people don't benefit from the systems of racism. And that takes us. Most people get thrown off; they want to have an argument; they they get in their feelings. But then that's why the conversation about race and space it is nothing new. Uh, there. Literally, I could pull any quote from Martin Luther King from the 1960s and insert it into 2020. So there's right. no like groundbreaking revelation regarding the solution for race, uh, race and space. And so two, two things about race and space. One, there uh, in the book, I list the 20 white guys named Michael who have been or are astron NASA astronauts. Mm. So NASA, there have been 20 white guys named Michael. To, wow. date, to date, there have been uh, 18 black male and female astronauts, seven of whom have never gone to space. Hmm. And so we see the racial disparities, the representation, the lack of representation in the technology sector. 
And we're, when we say technology sector, we mean Silicon Valley, uh, AI, big data, et cetera, even the law for tech. And so we have an opportunity to address that proactively in space. And the people who would stand to address that best is a little group called Space Force. Mm-hmm. Space Force isn't actually a vanity project uh, or initiative. There's so many reasons, so many valid reasons for Space Force. But as part of Space Force missions, one of the call to actions in the book is that in 2024, America is going back to the moon. And the call to action is that the first female to walk on the moon be a black astronaut. Hmm. And so chapter 16 is basically says that uh, black women are the canaries in the coal mine. When they're represented Hmm. in industries, the entire industry does well across Hmm. the board. There's lots of data that support that we could beat that dead horse. Um, no one ever wants to hear the facts. And so it's like, we're going to ignore the facts and let's just make it so that the first woman to walk on the moon is a black American woman. It will be so much for diversity and inclusion. And more importantly, when we talk about equity in the space economy, I don't care if you're SpaceX, Boeing, uh, Vault, uh, all of those programs are funded by the government, taxpayer mm-hmm. And so we are going into a commercial phase, but when you look at SpaceX's journey over the last decade, all that startup funding, it came from NASA. Taxpayers paid for it. We can argue about the VC community's contribution. Plain, simple matter. If there's no NASA, who is SpaceX customer? So we want to look at it from the sense of as we go into this digital ecosystem that is the fifth industrial revolution, how are we going to take this How are we just going to acknowledge race in space? Because if the first woman to step foot on the moon isn't a black American, uh, isn't a black female from America, we're going to lose the space race to China, number one. And number two, we're simply going to perpetuate the social, cultural, financial injustices on Earth as we do on Earth uh, in the heavens and moon Mm -hmm. and the moon and Mars. And more importantly, it brings up this point about the difference between colonization versus settlement. Right. If we colonize the moon, we're going to colonize Mars, which means we will have a different level of Jim Crow, space Jim Crow. I haven't come up with the witty name for it yet. Um, so w- if we take the position that we are going to have permanent human settlement of the moon and permanent human settlement of Mars and elsewhere, then we can actually start investing into making those changes systematically so that we do have representation off Earth. Otherwise, we just perpetuate the same sins of slavery that we currently have. Those are so long, we don't have enough podcasts time. We hope you're enjoying this edition of Tech Intersect. Our conversation will continue in a moment, but first, a word on an exciting opportunity. There's a more cost-effective and time-efficient way to reach your leading-edge learning and earning goals, to put you ahead of the stiff competition in this fast-paced, tech-driven economy. You need skills, credentials, and a fast track to a competitive advantage. You need it now more than ever, and I can help. The Advantage Evans Method puts you ahead of the curve with condensed, comprehensive online courses, curated content to leverage your current skills and expertise, live coaching, networking opportunities, and more. Upcoming courses include From Cash to Crypto to help you buy your first Bitcoin, and there are two ways to get your advantage. 
Advantage Evans Encore gives you maximum experience for your total competitive advantage and access for one year. It includes a live welcome and modules on terminology, buying and selling, exchanges, mining, earning crypto, trading and investing, and also several of the legal issues you need to know in order to be safe and secure as you enter this space. That includes tax compliance, how to plan for a Bitcoin estate, and securities laws to make sure you avoid any legal unforced errors. Now, Advantage Core gives you the essentials. It's a short course to give you what you want and the support you need to buy your first crypto in as little as three weeks with access to the information and replays for three months. And if you're not quite ready for your Advantage and want a sneak peek to try before you buy, then register for a free masterclass where I share my Crypto 101 success checklist and cover current hot topics in crypto. So there truly is something for everyone, including you, to get in on the fast track and learn and earn in the digital economy. Visit AdvantageEvans.com to get started. That's AdvantageEvans.com. And now, back to the conversation. Absolutely, absolutely. Because, if, you know, it's, it's new, new space who is going to participate and and literally packing up all of the racism and all of the isms and transporting them to another place which we literally cannot abide by we won't we won't survive that it also makes me think of every iteration and forward progress every bit of forward progress that comes with technology there's the opportunity to also challenge our assumptions about the role of competition versus cooperation. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if we, particularly when you have a new build, so you think of layer one solutions, technological build, and the need for interoperability in the blockchain space, at least at the L1 level. And then people start building on top of it, want to monetize it. But at the open source software level, there's a strong push for cooperation as a means of interoperability, because if we don't all work together, this is not going to go well. And it makes me think of what that's going to look like with the space economy and the infrastructure and those who would be in charge of deciding who goes and under what circumstances and how much is it going to cost (laughs) and what society looks like if it's, as you said, replicated or if it goes beyond and what we currently enjoy. So any thoughts about this idea about the role of competition or hyper competition in the, like the first role, you know, we're big on the first and mm-hmm. planting a, a flag from a particular country. But when I think of a space economy, it goes so far beyond the legacy borders that we're accustomed to. Blockchain challenges all of that. The internet certainly did in some respects, but blockchain takes it a step further. So what does that look like in space? So yeah, the space race is really a relay race. It's a relay race amongst partners. And you and just again, this is just something we, we track in the space economy um, for our day job, for the Milky Way economy, rather. In December 2019, India touched down, put a probe on the dark side of the moon. It crashed. It was not a quote unquote successful, but they did it on a shoestring budget. And so fast forward to I think it was December 2nd, 2020. Uh, China landed a probe on the dark side of the moon successfully. So China's already has ambition of building a base on the moon with Russia. Mm-hmm. 
their spacefaring friends. Uh, also in November, the United Arab Emirates, uh, also known as Dubai and um, Abu Dhabi, they partnered mm-hmm. with the Japanese and the America with the Japanese launch company in America to send a probe to Mars. So the space race is very collaborative. Uh, mm. The folks who folks are sleeping on the most is if you can check them out, they're called Space in Africa. That's the name of them, Space in Africa. They represent the African nations with spacefaring ambitions. And so Nigeria's Lagos, Nigeria, is positioned to be the largest city in the world by 2030. They mm. also have a very they also have a budding space economy there. And so at the end of the day, whoever quote unquote wins the space race, it will be a collaborative effort, hands down because it's people from around the globe who are looking towards space, not only for exploration, but it's just sort of like our human calling. We talk to our ancestors, and then we, when we look at the, up at the stars, we wonder who else is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been searching for some things called exoplanets, and so it's surmised that every star has at least one exoplanet, and there are as many stars as there are grains of sand on all the beaches in the world. This also includes mm. the Sahara Desert. So we're talking about hundreds of billions of trillions of exoplanets. And at some point, one on those planets, there is a creature staring at our Milky Way <laughs> saying, how do we get in touch with Samson? <laughs> and so it, on one hand, it's aspirational. It's this is why we're going to space. This is why we make these billions of dollars worth of investments. Uh, in 2021, NASA's budget is $22 billion. In 2021, Space Force's budget is $15 billion. And so when we talk about representation and having folks there, how many people, black, brown, colored, under from underrepresented, uh, undertapped populations are represented mm-hmm. in the aerospace industry? Because this is really saying is how many people are not involved in generational transformation jobs and employment opportunities? We do want to look at space from a sense of inclusion, not only from the U.S. perspective, not only from having more women in Space Force and just the DOD and uh, other private space companies, but also how are we going to work with the rest of the world to do one of the most basic things like avoid dying from an asteroid strike. When the asteroid hit the Yucatan Peninsula uh, and wiped out two thirds of the life on the planet. Now, this is a great use case for blockchain where it we just track near-Earth orbit, near-Earth asteroids and meteors. Hmm. Say, hey, we know this meteor exists. We're sharing this data and the information with the globe so that we can better track these objects that might impact uh, the Earth. Because when these objects, they have hit us in the past. Now, as a species, if we collaborate, we can say, hey... If you've ever seen Armageddon with Bruce Willis, we can say, <laughs> hey, we see this meteor, this asteroid headed towards us. Of course, uh, in the real world, we're not going to nuke it. We're just going to gently nudge it on a different. <laughs> but we're the we as a species, we literally can determine, can we save ourselves? The answer to that is yes, if we cooperate. I love it. The point is extremely well made. Time will tell what this looks like. And you actually have me excited about this. Because I was like, I don't know about this. It sounds like bullshit. But now I think it's brilliant. And so 
George <laughs> I need to get this book. When George introduced this to me, I was like, George, you are batshit crazy. Go away. I, I'm not going to even lie. I ignored him for about six months. Maybe a little longer. <laughs> then we went to the Air and Space Museum. And he was like, let me tell you about launch. Again, that just the upstream stuff, not including right. the upstream or the downstream, which is the data. And data is a real moneymaker. And it's easier to understand the space economy when you stand next to a 150-foot-tall rocket. It's like, oh, mm. I get it. And then when we, we apply blockchain, because I had been trying to figure out how much does a pomegranate cost on Mars. I saw that. <laughs> you've got to you've got to pay for every breath of air. You've got to pay for dirt. You've got to pay for heating, cooling, etc. And so on Mars, it, the Martian economy, it will run. It won't run on dollars. It won't run on fiat because you don't actually take paper to space. That's so stupid. Like, why would you do that? Right. So we right. in the moon and on Mars, it will have a different economy because. If you and me are on Mars and you have a billion dollars and I have a cup of coffee, guess who's got something worth something? I do. <laughs> and <Right>. so <laughs> when we look at the space economy, we're going to have these things called PEATS. And PEATS stands for Periodic Table of Elements, Stable Coins. And these will be the asset-backed uh, currencies or the asset-backed coins that represent when we are mining different asteroids. I know that sounds far-fetched. But earlier this year, OSIRIS-REx touched down on asteroid Bintu. Why that's important? Because the asteroid is 200 million miles away. It's traveling at 62,000 miles per hour relative. And we sent a probe out to touch it, collect a sample, and that sample will be back here on Earth on 2023. What that proved is we have the capacity to do it. Next is what asteroid should we mine? Because here's the crazy thing. Rare earth minerals are only rare on earth. The moment hmm. you get off of earth, this like, there's an asteroid called Psyche 16. Uh, they surmise it's the core of a dead planet. It's worth approximately 98, I'm sorry, $10 quintillion, which would mean hmm. every person on earth could have $98 billion each. And I, when I say every person, I mean every person. So hmm. in the, in space, blockchain does a couple of things. It's infrastructure, it's plumbing just for the management of data, but it's also used as it is for currencies in the sense of we will have periodic table of elements, PEATS coins, our tokens, our stable coins that represent the different assets that, ha that are being mined. And so it's mm. a very exciting place. And when George first told me this, I was trying to calculate how much a pomegranate costs on Mars. And let me tell you, <laughs> it's super expensive. Very expensive. Get all of your pomegranates here on Earth while you can. Yes, yes, absolutely. Oh, oh, last point. I would just want to mention this. If you happen to be a lawyer, you so want to be involved in the space economy because whether it's updating the Outer Space Treaty into the Artemis Accords or understanding what does IP mean in space, um, mm -hmm. what is what is trademark, what is who owns the IP and trademarks of space, particularly when we start to colonize the moon or have permanent human settlement on the moon in 2024, and then that fault flows into property law. And it's mm -hmm. like, who owns what on the moon or who owns the moon? There's such mm -hmm. a big space for lawyers in the space economy. I encourage all lawyers, just keep it on your radar. We're going to space as a species. And we're going to have to figure out from an administrative, a compliance and a legal way, what applies, whether we're in orbit, on the moon, or on Mars, or beyond. Wow. 
well, you just helped me to, you know, further expertise, distinguish myself and make myself invaluable for at least 20 years. Um, (laughs) So thank you. I intend to be very retired and living in my space, Kempton. So thank you for that. Um, And this has actually been really, really great. I already knew that it was great. And I was looking forward to this conversation for a while. I learned a lot and I look forward to what I'm going to do. Listeners is drop a number of the resources and links to information that Samson has shared with us on this episode. And I encourage you to keep an open mind. This is not a matter of if, but when. And as you position yourself, particularly if you have historically been underestimated or underrepresented in technology and innovation, in finance, and being at the table where the decisions are made for this next step, this next iteration of the Industrial Revolution, let's be involved, let's be informed, and let's survive. We might have to leave Earth alone. But hopefully there will be another opportunity somewhere else. So I will drop those links. I will also drop links to all of your information, Samson. But I love for listeners to hear it from you. How can they follow you, connect with you, learn more about your work? You can find me on LinkedIn, Samson Williams. You can find me on the Internet at Hustle Fund Baby. I'm super excited about the space economy because I grew up watching Jordi LaForge on Star Trek and Michael Burnham. She is the main lead on um, enterprise discovery. And so she's a xenoanthropologist and I'm a horrible representation for black folks. So I encourage other black folks to (laughs) join me at the table. I will happily set a seat for you. I don't want to represent black folks. I drink too many gimlets and I curse. (laughs) We need, we just need to have more representation across the board, uh, particularly when we talk about race and space. Otherwise, I don't want my kids and my grandkids having to deal with the shit I have to deal with on a, on a regular in space. Amen. That's a perfect word, uh, place to leave it. Uh, I thank you, my friend, my colleague, my future space, not invader, but I can't think of a better word. Um, explore. Vodka Gimlet may or may not be involved. Explore. Space explore. I'm excited for that and the direction that your career is taking. And I'm love that you're taking us along with you. So thank you. Wow. I learned a lot in this conversation with Samson, and I hope you did too. The space economy, like past emerging economies, is a race to the finish line. And it requires human ingenuity, a spirit of exploration, and in addition to or perhaps because of the hyper-competitive conquest model of possessing and controlling new land masses and resources, building the space economy requires collaboration and cooperation. And Black and brown folks traditionally exploited but not included in the next iteration of technology and acquisition have to find a way to leverage the future of money and opportunity in space and the space economy before we get left behind again. Because this time, it could be being left behind here on Earth as the world moves on. Now, I might not be the first person on the first midnight train to Pluto, but I don't want to be around for that last one, I assure you. I might even want to build one or invest in companies that do, or at least do their legal work. The point is, there's lots of opportunity. Learn more, find your lane. The future is closer than we think. Final housekeeping notes, please 
take a moment to like, comment, and share this episode and this podcast with your networks. Follow me on social means and let me know what topics you'd like to hear more of and who you want to hear more from. All right, that's all for this episode. Until next time, continue to shine. Stay in touch with host Tanya Evans via your favorite social media on Twitter at at Tech Intersect and on Instagram via the handle Tech Intersect. This podcast has been produced by Stephanie Renee for Soul Sanctuary Incorporated.